favorite authors, friends, and guests explore the simpler side of life. Here's your host, Amish fiction author, Tracy Fertikowski. there. Welcome to another episode of Buggy Talk. I'm your host, Tracy Fredikowski. Each week, I'll bring you the story behind the stories along with the storytellers. For this week's episode, we have Amish suspense author Dana R. Lynn on the Buggy Talk podcast with us, who will introduce us to her latest release, Her Secret Amish Pass. Hello, Dana. How are you today? Hi, Tracy. I am doing fantastic. Well, thank you so much for joining us, and I'm looking forward to talking about Her Secret Amish Past. But before we do that, like always, you know that I love to ask our authors some questions about their writing career, and especially about how they got into the writing profession. So are you ready? I am ready. All right. So how about you tell us how many unpublished and half-finished books you have laying around on your laptop? Well, okay, so I have several books. Now, we're talking uncontracted, right? We're talking about those ones that you just spit out an idea. It's sitting on your laptop. They're not pegged for anyone specifically yet. All right. Well, as far as those go... Um, I've got five and three of them. I think I'm going to probably do something with eventually two of them will probably never go anywhere but my laptop. Well, that is interesting. I think that every author I've ever talked to has a folder of either ideas, half finished manuscripts, ideas that they they fleshed out, but then they walked away from, and sometimes they'll never see the light of day. So I, I sympathize with you, or not even sympathize, but understand when you say two of them, you'll probably not ever do anything with. I think we all have piles like that, most definitely. So Dana, in our author careers, we wear many, many hats, one of them being marketing. How have you found the best way to market your books? Well, I'll be honest with you. Uh, I am very blessed to be with Love Inspired Suspense because they do so much marketing. It takes some of the pressure off my shoulders. Um, however, I do have a couple of titles that I'm going to be doing independently. And I like to market my books because you know, the more you market, the more readers you're going to find. So um, I'm doing um, having my launch team. I have a group of readers who have volunteered. Um, they filled out a, an application and they read my books and then they um, review it. The review is not mandatory. You know, you can never pay for reviews. But they will share it on face social media uh, or talk to their friends about the book. So I do like that. The other thing is I like doing book tours where like my books will be on different blogs or podcasts. And those are things you have to sign up for. So those are things I uh, feel that work well for me. I think you are a big part of the Seekerville 
blog, which I just absolutely love visiting. If, if, if any of our um, listeners don't know about that blog, I know Dana, you um, are on there quite often and I can see our readers going to places like that specifically looking for new authors to read. And that's a great way to market. Don't you agree? I do. I do. Um, you know, I never understood the benefit of blogs until I actually started getting on them. But you can learn so much about authors or uh, anything you want. There's a blog for. And it's just a wealth of experience that's offered to you basically so you can pick and choose and you can learn new things and get new ideas. It's a great resource for everyone, I think. Absolutely, I think it is. And it's a good way for potential readers to to figure out what a new author's voice is all about. Blogs are a perfect way. You know, a lot of us authors do guest blog posts, and it's a great way for us to introduce ourselves to new readers, but also for those readers to hear our voice and through blog, you know, we write blog posts pretty much the way we write a book. So it's a great way. So again, the blog is blogspot.com. I'll make sure I add that to the show notes because I think it's a valuable place that some of our readers can go to look for new authors. I actually had a blog out just yesterday you listeners make sure you go to seekerville.blogspot.com and look for dana's blog post and again you'll see a couple on there from me and a lot from some of your favorite authors so dana how about you tell us what kind of research you do or how long do you spend researching for the beginning of a new book it varies from book to book right now a lot of my research is career-based I am writing right now for my series that's out. It's a series that I've been working on for a couple years now. This is book number 14 that's coming out this month. So I've got a lot of the research done already about the place and about um, the people and the businesses. I've got all that. And as I research, you know, I kind of keep track of the stuff I learn. But whenever I am starting a new book, there's like the one coming out, the one I'm writing right now. My hero is a bounty hunter. And I knew absolutely nothing about that. So uh, I have used the internet. I have done books. Um, I have, I checked it with some of my friends and found somebody who knew a bounty hunter who could answer some of my questions. So that was pretty, that's pretty intense as far as that goes. I probably spend, if it's a brand new book, I'll spend a couple weeks researching before I start actually writing the book. I think research is one of my favorite things about writing. It gives me an excuse to, one, visit places I haven't visited before, or two, talk to people that know something about a subject that I know nothing about. And I love finding out new things and learning new things. Now, the Internet and YouTube is great for, you know, how do they harness a horse or, you know, what does a um, farrier do? You know, stuff like that. But when it comes right. to, like, you saying you didn't know anything about a bounty hunter, that had to have been an interesting conversation. It was. It was. And 
I found that our conception of what a bounty hunter is, I mean, it's really completely inaccurate and in what they do. So it was really, it was really fascinating. Um, the other thing I find interesting is when I get really into writing something, I don't like to stop right in the middle of a scene and uh, research something if I find out that I need something right then. So another author of mine, another author friend of mine, she said when she comes to that point, she'll just type in in capital letters, bagel, because she never has people eating bagels. So then when she's done, she'll just do a search for bagel and she'll go back and research all the little bagels in her in her manuscript. <laughs> what a great idea. What a great so idea. I love how many, that. Yeah. How many times have you lost something in a manuscript that you can't find? You know it's in there, but you just can't find it. I have. Oh, uh, that happens. And it's, it is kind of scary because you're looking through it. And you know in your heart, you know that you trust your editor and your book is going to go through several editors, but what if they miss it? Or what if it's a kernel of information that you just learned that they might not know is wrong or is there so, so you're pretty desperate to find it. Exactly, exactly. So Dana, that, that was interesting how you research your books. How about you tell us, we are all avid readers. So what books or authors have most influenced your own writing? I would say that when I first started writing, my, I wanted to be write Regency romance. I mean, Jane Eyre, Jane Austen. I love Jane Austen. Yeah. So, I mean, I would read all of those um, zebra and uh, signet Regencies and, you know, like uh, Regina Scott was a huge, uh, I'm a huge fan of hers. And then Re Regency kind of went by the wayside. So... I started write, reading um, romantic suspense and romance, and I found Love Inspired and Love Inspired Suspense, and I never knew that there was such a thing as Christian romantic suspense at this time. I mean, this was when I was, you know, in college. I never knew that there was such a thing. Uh, so I started reading, and I would have to say, as far as authors that really I felt inspired me, um, I would have to say that Lynette Eason and Shirley McCoy and Lenora Worth were the three that I, I didn't even need to, to read the blurb on the back of the book. I would just pick them up. Absolutely. I think we all have authors like that. And Lenora and Lynette, Lynette lives in, in South Carolina, not too far from me. So um, both of those authors I'm very familiar with, very familiar with. And I think that as an author, wouldn't you say that every author who has to be an avid reader has somebody that they really admire their writing style? I would say so, because writing, it's very solitary when you're doing it but at the same time I mean the writing community there's mentoring going on all the time and to have those people that you look up to and know that they do their craft so well uh, yeah you're going to want to pick their brains you're going to want to see uh, how they do what they do 
I know when I first started writing, I had not a clue how to go about what went into a chapter, how to start it. I had my editor that I was working with because I started with a contest. She said, read some of the books and kind of keep track of when the exciting parts happen. Uh, how do they start? When do the scenes switch? What kind of notes do they end on? And that was huge for me because it was the first time I was able to actually see, oh, wow, there everybody has their own style. Everyone has their own process. But there are some things that just are how they do it. The beat of the storyline, you have to keep yeah. that beat throughout the whole story, not just in one chapter or not in the last chapter, but throughout the whole story. And that was the biggest thing for me is learning how to write those beats that kept people intrigued in your story and kept the storyline yes. moving along. Well, Dana, thank you so much for sharing so much about your career. And now we get to talk about her secret Amish past. But before we do that, let me go ahead and read your back matter just so we can set the scene. And then we will dig into your latest release. So this is Dana R. Lynn's Her Secret Amish Past. Stolen from the Amish with no memory of her past. When her mother is shot as they flee an unknown threat, Jocelyn Graham discovers her entire life is a lie. Not only is she adopted, but she's the, she's the target of armed assailants, and she doesn't know why. With an old doll, the only clue to her true identity, Joss needs Sergeant Steve Beck's help to find the truth before a deadly criminal ring buries the remaining evidence, her. Let's talk about your story. So how about you tell us what the inspiration was for this particular story? Well, this particular story was um, an accident because I had started, I was writing um, a brand new proposal and my editor had asked for a six book proposal. So what that means in my world is three chapters, a full synopsis for the first book, and then short synopsises for the other five books. So I started writing my first proposal for the first book. I'm what's called a pantser. I don't really, my first three chapters, I just, I might get the first line and I just sit down and I start writing. I'll have my characters in mind. And as I'm writing those chapters, my characters kind of reveal themselves to me, and then that's when I can kind of flesh out a little bit of a synopsis. My synopsises are often a little bit vague because I don't always know everything that's going to happen in the story. So I was writing the story, and I and my character's name was Micah Bender, and I knew that he was a former Amish man, and the reason he'd left his, and I started thinking the reason he'd left it had something to do with a sister who had disappeared years ago and she was going to make an appearance somehow in the store. And as I was getting working on this, I thought I'm starting in the wrong place because I need to have her story before I can have his. Uh, Cause originally I, she wasn't even going to appear until the end of the book. The more I thought about it, the more I realized that I really needed to tell Jocelyn's story so then I need to figure out who Jocelyn was. 
And when I was thinking about that, I was trying to think of her hero. Now, in my book that came out before this, um, Amish Cradle Conspiracy, I have a character in there, Steve Beck. He started off, actually, I had readers who thought that he was the bad guy at first in Amish Cradle Conspiracy because he was not very impressive at the beginning of the book. But he got better. And then for some reason, he he just struck me as, no, he's got a backstory and that which makes him the way he was. So uh, he ended up being my perfect hero for that story. And when I came, when I was done with it, I have to say it was the it was my favorite book that I've ever written when I by the time I was done with it. Don't you love when that works out that way? Yes. Yeah, I feel like it was totally a God thing. It absolutely is. You know, I'm a pantser, too, and I do not know how a story is going to turn out until I sit down to write it. And lots of times, like this morning, I sit at breakfast with my husband, and he helps me try to flesh out some scenes. And he gives me a new perspective a lot of times in what I think may happen or why a scene may not work. Or So uh, I actually enjoy the whole pantser persona that... I live, and it sounds like you live <laughs> the same way that we're as surprised as the readers on how the story's going to turn out. Well, my husband laughs at me because uh, I'll be writing, and he'll say to me as I'm writing, and I'll be about halfway through my manuscript, and he'll say, so, do you know who the killer was yet? Absolutely not. not I'll exactly. get there. Exactly. So I, I love that part. Now, I've interviewed a lot of authors who are plotters, who have every Amy, Amy Clipston. She's a plotter. I mean, she has her whole story plotted out before even she sits down to write. And that's probably why she can write so many books, because she puts all that energy into outlining the book before she starts. And I am so impressed with plotters. But I I can't write that way, Data. My brain just does not think that way. And I, I'm so tickled that there are other authors whose brain works in those crazy circles just like mine. Without giving us any spoilers, how about you just tell us a little bit more about your story? Now, you've already introduced us to Steve Beck and Jocelyn, but um, just tell us a little bit more, intrigue us a little bit into the storyline. It's so hard to tell it with out putting spoilers in but Joss she's doesn't really have a lot of roots she and her mom have moved around for as long as she could remember she never actually knew why they moved around so much it was just her mom just seemed to have trouble setting down and finding that place so but they'd been in Sutter Springs Ohio for 11 years I think it was and she got, she started to get really comfortable. And then suddenly one day, and I'm going to be okay spoiling this because it's literally the first line of the book is Joss is going out to the car. She and her mom are going somewhere and there's a note on the windshield of the car. And it says, I know who you are. Well, it's not her car. So she was like, so she's confused. She gives the note to her mom and her mom immediately goes into panic mode and says, they found us. We've got to go now. And so Joss doesn't know who's found them and or what, but uh, she knows her mom panics. So she packs a quick bag 
they take off before they can go very far, before she can get any answers. Her, there's a drive-by shooting and her mom is injured and they find themselves in the hospital. And that's when she realizes that, and at the hospital, um, one of the doctors says something to her that makes her realize she's not who she thought she was. And neither is her mother. So she, I'm not going to tell you what it was she found, but um, so now she's on the run. Somebody is after her. She doesn't know who, and uh, she doesn't know who she is. She doesn't know who her mother is. Uh, so the only thing she can do is work with the officer who is trying to figure out who shot her mother hopefully he'll figure out help her figure out what the past is and that officer is steve beck it is all righty so that's how he works back into the story so if our listeners want to hear more they're going to have to pick up your latest release which is her secret amish past but before we send our readers on their way how about you go ahead and read us either the first page or an important scene of her secret amish past i'm going to read you the little blurb that's uh when you open the cover, you know, they give you that little hint. Okay. That little All right. I'm going to read perfect. that. Okay. Yep. Okay. Get down. Steve lurched at Joss. She whirled to face him. Down. Sniper in the trees. She dropped beside the bed. He fell at her side. A bullet smashed through the window. Stay here, Steve told her. I'm going after him. Steve. I have to go now, Joss, while we know where the sniper is. Call 911, tell them what's happening, and don't hang up until backup arrives. He fled down the steps and ran out the back door, letting it bang closed behind him. Steve raced to the edge of the property. The shooter had come from behind the metal tool shed, possibly in a tree as he'd hit the second floor window. The pager hooked to his belt sprang to life. The dispatcher issued an active shooting announcement. Then she proceeded to spit out a call for police backup to Joss's address. Within moments, Steve knew, the road would be barricaded and police would swarm the area. No one underestimated the danger of a shooter on the loose. Was this the same man who shot Linda, or was there yet another shooter out there intent on ending Joss's life? Oh, that was perfect. That says just enough to intrigue us to pick up that book and read more. So thank you so much for that, Dana. How about you tell us what's next for Dana Lynn? What are you working on right now? I am working on my October book, which will be coming out. It is Hunted at Christmas is the title of it. And that's the one where I have the bounty hunter. Ooh, okay. So that's even more interesting to look forward to because I want to see, you know, we talked about your bounty hunter here earlier and, and I kept thinking bounty hunter, like we're talking about, you know, the Westerns, but you're talking about modern day bounty hunters, right? I, I am. Okay. And that's I completely am. different. It goes back to us perceiving what we think a bounty hunter is and what you actually probably found out through your research. So that intrigues us to pick up your next book and we'll get you back here on the buggy talk to talk about that as well. So anything you'd like to say to your readers before we sign off? Well, uh, I would like to thank my readers for 
taking the time to pick up my books. It means a lot to me. Uh, it also means a lot to me when readers subscribe to my newsletter or they go online and contact me to tell me how they like my book or if they leave reviews. That that always means a lot to authors. I can be found on social media, Dana Arlen. I can also, my website is www.danaarlen.com. So if you're interested in signing up for my newsletter or getting in touch with me and telling me how you like my books, you can always contact me there. Also, uh, I have some information about, you know, my former books. My books can be picked up at harlequin.com or Amazon, Barnes & Noble, anywhere that you find books. Thank you. And I'll make sure I add your website address and maybe your Facebook or Instagram page, along with the Seekerville blog, to the show notes so our listeners can go there to find more about you. And I forgot, I'm not going to let you go before I do my silly little fun round. I almost let you go before I do that. But it has become such a funny part of our interviews that um, I wouldn't dare let an author go by until I have asked you some stupid questions. So are you ready? Yes, I am. (laughs) Okay. I know that you live in Northwestern Pennsylvania, so I'm not really sure how you're going to answer this question, but if you could live anywhere in the world, would it be in a cold climate or a warm climate? Ah, uh, neither, because I like both. <laughs> oh, so where uh, would I, that where would that perfect place be? Do you know I am very happy in Pennsylvania where I am because I've got nice warm summers and springs, and then I've got cold winters where we can snuggle up in front of the fire. I don't know. I'm just one of those people who I'm absolutely content where I am. Oh, I'll listen to that. I, I grew up in northwestern Pennsylvania, and I did not like the cold, hence why I live now in hot South Carolina. So that was encouraging to hear. So since you like the cold, how about you share with our listeners one of your favorite childhood childhood winter memories? One of my favorite childhood winter memories was I was living in Downers Grove, a suburb of Chicago, and... I believe it was 1978, and we had a blizzard. The snow was literally, now I'm not tall. I'm only four, nine and a half, but <laughs> I was even smaller as a kid. And the snow was way above my head. So we had like two or three snow days in a row. So my mom kept, a, kept us stocked with hot chocolate. And my three brothers and I, we went outside to the sidewalk, and we tunneled a So we had a snow tunnel where we kind of built like our own little maze in the snow. Oh, how fun. It it was. It was a lot of fun. Lots of hot chocolate, lots of mittens getting thrown in the dryer to bring on new, but it was fun. Oh, that sounds like a great childhood memory. So tell us, I know, Dana, you just got off work not too long ago, and you are out running some errands, but what's for supper tonight? I don't actually know. Um, my, <laughs> so my husband took something out of the, he left the house later than I did. So he took something out of the freezer last night, some venison, and uh, he's going to do, put it in the crock pot. So we'll have salad, probably some rice, and 
probably a venison steak or a venison um, roast for dinner. Oh, that sounds yummy. Um, I do have to admit that I do miss the taste of venison. Um, they're, they grow dog deer here in South Carolina, not the, not the big bucks and the big does that I was used to, um, in Pennsylvania. So, um, just hearing that venison makes my mouth water. <laughs> so thank you for sharing that. So Dana, I want to thank you so much for spending time with us this week on the Buggy Talk podcast. And I look forward to hearing more about your future projects and To all of you listeners, if you want to pick up a copy of Her Secret Amish Pass, look for the link in the show notes of this episode that you can find on my website at Tracy's Amish Books, or you can go to BuggyTalkPodcast.com. There you'll find a complete list of some of your favorite Amish fiction authors and all the great books they add to the Amish landscape. 